Welcome back to the Spook House. Doug, how are you, my friend? It's been a hot minute since we recorded. Yeah, and since we did a full review to a trash on a whole movie. So I'm excited about this one because I was actually excited for this. You were skeptical. Yeah, um, we're, we're of course, going to talk about Insidious, the Red Door. Cool name, by the way. Um, but before we do that, we should introduce our very, very our guest. special guest. This was a last minute thing, literally. I was like, "Hey, man, if you don't if if you can jump on in like ten minutes, we'd love to have you." <laughs> and Justin from Epic Film Guys said, "Sure, I'll do it." Yeah, 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 so, yeah, Justin, yeah, yeah. what is up? Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, yeah, amazing timing, right? I'm about to leave this fucking redneck bar that I go get wings at with my wife. Once a week, I just had my last Tito's and soda, and I just said, hey, we could have planned something. And boom, here we are. I'm sitting here. Um, I'm ready to go. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. This is actually my first time on the Spook House podcast. Phil, you've been on yes, the show. We t- you came on the show about a year ago and we talked about bodies bodies ago. bodies um <laughs> can't believe it was the only that reason long. i brought you on is because i was like i i can't i can't talk about this movie so i'll bring someone else on to talk about it for me and that's why and soon on. even though i like it, you a lot i just and soon as the movie was over i was like oh my god what the fuck am i gonna say about this movie there's nothing to say but i we made it work doug i disagree doug with loved that. it <laughs> I thought that movie worked pretty well for me, and I was prepared to uh, dislike it. Everything was, everything lined up for me to have me hate it, and I wound up really enjoying it. It wasn't the best movie. I love the direction. Racial Senate is that my baby girl. Yeah, this is girlfriend. Her in it. Uh, I wish. Um, <laughs> it was kind of, it was kind of like a fun, like whodunit type of movie, and the directing kind of like held it together. I, I want to see what the director. What else she can do? Because I I didn't mind this movie. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was humorous. I thought they utilize like like you know when movies kind of rely heavily on like like oh they mention Facebook a lot and Instagram and it's like okay relaxed and like people and we could talk about that in this movie because I feel like grown white men shouldn't write college dialogue. Yeah, because it never goes over well. They don't know how fucking teenagers talk. Uh, I don't, this bodies, 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 pretty it nailed it. For me. I would dare say that I know how teenagers talk because I have one that lives with me. They're nineteen. It's my kid. <laughs> so unless you have one and you spend the majority of your time in the same room with one and they teach you, then yeah, don't attempt that. I I, I myself don't attempt it <laughs> because it's embarrassing. Yeah, and that's why you need to have like a kid as an executive producer or something, at least in the room, just shouting shit out. I mean, have him help write the fucking screenplay for God's sake. I'm pretty sure your daughter could have wrote a better screenplay than Scott Teams for Insidious the Red Door. (laughs) Um, Let's be clear. (laughs) Scott Teams, hello, Firestarter. Hello, Halloween Kills. The Not a good resume. I mean, there's uh, (laughs) in the upcoming The Exorcist. Uh, is he writing no. the reboot? Oh shit! They dr- helped draft the story, so That's they were sign. involved in not the screenplay, but the story. Yeah, he doesn't have a good That's sense of a, direction. It's always a bad story. indication to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this has been a thing with these movies in terms of. I mean, 
I've loved the Conjuring universe. I love what James Wan created with with that and, you know, Insidious and such. But you got to have, I think, differing writers. You have to bring in flesh blood um, and, and and give someone new and fresh an open area to kind of jump in. And I, this just kind of felt like more of the same. But I'll leave initial thoughts until you allow me to say them. We're going to jump all into it. But first... Um... So, Justin, you might bring a, a fresh perspective to this. Uh, Doug, we were talking about condiments last night on the phone because we just talk about <laughs> everything. Doug hates ketchup. He hates mustard, I found out. He hates mayonnaise. mayonnaise. And I was like, I was like, oh, you've never had a banana and mayonnaise sandwich? And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So have you ever heard of this combination, Justin? Judging by that face. Um, I'm, I'm a big Elvis Presley fan. I'm pretty sure he ate some kind of combination of that thing you just listed. And that's why he died myself. on the shitter. <laughs> Never have I ingested something quite. I mean, who knows? I mean, back in my early 20s, when you had like $5 in your pocket, you spent the rest of your money on fucking the cheapest whiskey you possibly could. I mean, probably I, I would would have attempted that kind of but you can't go into your memory and completely recall that you ever ate bananas and mayonnaise (laughs) at the same time okay bananas and peanut butter yes on top of a burger yes but with exactly what i said okay let let me just say this i haven't had one in like three years or something and i only ever eat them when i'm at the beach for some reason when you pull it out of the cooler it just it hits harder when you're on the beach i don't know why like my mom, when I was growing up, my mom used to make them. It's a Southern thing. I'm white. I'm white okay. trash. I grew right. up in very rural North Carolina. It sounds like it's a German family recipe because nobody has ever heard of this. I'm telling this, you, this it's a thing. mayonnaise scenario. <laughs> All right. Well, case closed. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. It's a surprisingly pretty good combination. I would never have anything with just straight up mayonnaise on it ever. Yeah, but as as he just said, you you don't like any yeah, condiments. So what the fuck do you put on your so, food? Yeah, what so do you let eat me explain. With mostly plain. Oh, that's I, I like that's just I like sick. It. That's just sick, Doug. I, I guess it the, depends on where you're getting your fries from, though, right? If they're good, fries. exactly. You have to have like but, the like seasoning counts for everything. You got to have a little garlic true. on there. You got to have the herbs. But I don't like the OG condiments. Like Phil was saying, ketchup, mayonnaise, mustard, garbage. Give me a Thousand Island dressing. Ugh. Give me Russian dressing. Give me spicy mayo. Spicy mayo I can fuck with. I have it on sushi all the time. Wait, you eat regular like Hellman's mayonnaise? Vomit. <laughs> Wait, so you eat Thousand Island dressing with french fries? I could. I usually is have it, it on Newman's, Is it Newman's own or? Uh, yeah, Newman's <laughs> is pretty solid. Or just some diner, uh, some diner made a uh, thousand island dressing, whatever they do back. You know, here he would be the, the real test though, going out late night after a screening or a show or some shit. Cause I know you, you work in music and stuff. You, you've, you've had your fair share of that shit super late in the morning, put it on your meal and see if you notice without you knowing, and then we'll get the real opinion, bro. I will tell you, I was telling this to Phil last night. Sometimes, well, delis over here in New York, they automatically assume that you want mayonnaise on your sandwich. So I would like order an Italian hero, come home, eat it. And the first bite didn't even touch my whole mouth, just my tongue. And I'd be like, ugh, mayonnaise. <laughs> and I had to go back and be like, I didn't fucking ask for this. 
You know what? You are literally the spirit animal to Charles Bronson's character in Murphy's Law, where he's asked, do you want mayonnaise on your sandwich? And he yells, I don't like mayonnaise. I'm going to need to see that clip because I haven't seen Murphy's Law, but I love Charles Bronson. And that's the closest I can get to manlyhood if I'm compared to Charles Bronson. Well, dog, next time we hang out, I'm making you a banana mayonnaise sandwich and we're going to film it. Phil, I am not doing anything until you watch Malignant for a second time. I'll watch Malignant. I, I've i been saying this for like two years. I, I'm not going to watch that shit. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I keep saying it, but... You keep putting it off. I know your real feelings deep inside that you don't ever want to watch it. But but just going back to what was, uh, what Justin was saying before about um, switching out writers... Uh, I am, I think that's a really good idea because it, uh, if you keep using like the same, like it's good in a loyalty sense, you know, to want to keep working with the same people. Sometimes you just need to add a little flavor to make it not stagnant, you know? And it seems like a lot of these franchise movies, these franchise horror movies, especially in the Blumhouse scene, like Gary Dauberman doing like the nun and Annabelle and Scott teams doing Halloween and insidious it's just it's just surface level it doesn't go deeper than the surface and they need to change it yeah well you know me i'm not a i'm not a huge insidious fan but there's just nothing really else to explore well originally this movie was going to be called insidious the further and it would have been cool to like that's a way better title by the way way better title because it actually makes sense Especially yeah. if, you know, Dalton gets trapped in the further again and they have to, like, fight their, for their lives once again against the dog dog dick face demon or whatever it's called. Dog dick face. Um, yeah. <laughs> the guitarist from but, Mudvayne in the dick video. <laughs> <laughs> they forgot to... <laughs> they left Gerg in the further. <laughs> yeah, they have to dig him out. Uh, but no, it, it was... I mean, we could get into, like, specifics with the movie, but overall, it was just dull they repeated a lot of the same steps that's 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 what i found most insulting they repeated the same the the, like the same astral projection type of speech and that that's like insulting you know especially with the blumhouse universe um how they constantly use the same writers like you were saying and it would be nice if you know it's good that they're loyal to their people and they want to work with the same writers and everything which is it's kind of hard to find that you have like a solid team of like good, genuine people. And this is not knocking anyone's character, but like someone like Gary Dauberman who like wrote the nun or like directed the nun and a lot of stuff in the conjuring universe with Annabelle and Scott teams. It's like, they need to inject some, some freshness, something like new because these guys just seem to like scratch the surface and they're not going as deep with these movies as they could. It's very just popcorn horror. And even the scares aren't that effective. I mean, popcorn horror can be effective. It can still be really good when it's well done. And I think we've gotten to the point now in terms of where we're at. I mean, we look at ourselves as viewers in comparison to what I saw in the audience that I was in because they did not screen this for press. They did not do early advanced anything for this movie. Uh, I, I saw it with four other people. And they were two pairs of very young females, like teenage girls. Mm -hmm. And they all jumped 
They all got every bit of what they were supposed to get when they walked in the door. But I think audiences are becoming more sophisticated. And much like we talk about on our show all the time, horror is king right now. I mean, the past few years have have been a, a true renaissance for the genre. And I think audiences are starting to expect more. And rightly so. I think you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting it to work for everyone the same way that the old shit worked. Um, we need some surprises. We need some, like I said earlier, fresh blood and people that are going to try to innovate the genre. That doesn't mean that we can't have jump scares. I mean, they're they're part of this genre specifically in terms of the James Wan, you know, haunted house flick. But you need something more than that. I mean, when I'm counting down the seconds to the scare and I know when it's coming every single time, uh, you know, it's like it's time to move on a little bit or do something different. That's just my viewpoint at this point where now we can't compare any of this to malignant and I'll leave that for a separate conversation, but we, we need something different here. And I think it's run its course in terms of the predictable nature of these movies. You know, like we were saying earlier, it's the fifth entry, but this is just a rehash of the first movie, but just, just way duller like just very watered down fucking boring as shit i was have you ever been so bored in a movie that you you start counting how many ceiling tiles are in the theater that was me the other night i was like oh my god i am about to fall asleep I, this it just did nothing for me like just uninspired dull predictable and i i'm not a huge insidious fan to begin with i think they're okay but I, I think James Wan was sorely missed for his camera work. And Patrick Wilson did a good job directing, but it wasn't anything amazing. And we're pro Patrick think Wilson he, on this podcast, by the way. Oh, of course. I, I mean, as we've always known, I mean, anyone that reviews movies, anyone that likes movies knows that give any director a shitty script or, you know, reverse that, you know, good script, shitty director, you know what kind of movie you're going to get. and. I'm not going to blame anyone necessarily, but I think that, you know, with a better script, then, you know, Patrick would have had more to do here. Yeah. Um, it's the same old tired stuff that we've seen in so many other movies. And, you know, all, I think the first Insidious is one of the best horror movies of the last 20 years. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But we no one had seen Poltergeist in a long time leading up to that point. So it had the advantage, um, but trying to take something like that and make it modern and make it darker and giving it a more sinister edge, if you will, you know, now we're so beyond that. And I think someone else needs to come in and here and say, like, I feel like Juan at this point, I mean, listen, he's making Aquaman too, right? He has carte blanche. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. I think someone needs to come in and go, hey, it's not going to be Jason Blum. You know, he's not going to be the guy to do it. You know, no one in terms of producers are going to come in and tell these guys you're doing a bad job because here's the here's the situation. This movie made more box office in its opening weekend than any other fucking insidious movie. Seventy one point four million dollars on a 16 million dollar budget. Damn. They don't care. 
they're not going to care because yeah, they're going mean, to make it's a name. So people are going to come out to see it. And they're going to keep making, yeah, they're going to keep making the money. They're going to keep making the movies. And who knows? The movies may get better. You know, we've seen the Saw franchise jump up and down, you know, in terms of quality within. But here, it, it, I, I, you know, I have to say, I was not bored in the same way that you were, Phil, but I was just sitting there like, I know where this is going the entire time. Yeah. And they tried to make it more character driven. Um, I have a lot to say about the acting in the movie in terms of that, but they tried to make it this close father son relationship, especially considering this is a direct uh, sequel rather to part two, you yeah. know, where the following sequels were, were, were prequels, if you will. And it just overall, it didn't work, but you know what? It still kind of did for its intended audience are we the intended audience i don't really know i don't know i guess we were supposed to be but dog you hated this movie like you texted me after it was over and he just went on a tirade <laughs> I mean, it was yeah i just had a lot of problems with this especially with uh we could get into the acting stuff right now because i yeah let's jump into it i um like we said before, Patrick Wilson is, I love him in a lot of stuff. He's great and hard candy. He's a very charismatic guy, not a bad actor. Uh, very like, you know, middle lane. Like we always talk about Phil, uh, but yeah. never, he's never not fun to watch. It's always good to see him on the screen. And I was having this conversation. I know me and Phil had this conversation a couple times. Like there's not a lot of people, not a lot of actors who consistently do horror movies like vincent price used to do back in the day like known for like that's very true king of the I mean, macabre patrick patrick just keeps fucking doing them and he loves them i mean he's great in the conjuring he he's great in insidious and i agree with you about the fact that you think that insidious is one of the best horror movies in like the what do you say the past 20 years yeah, I'm spitballing here because I'm old and I can't remember how long ago it was. <laughs> it came, it came, it came out, out in 2010, the first one. Okay, 2011, so there we go. Okay, there we go. But, um, I mean, when it first came out, uh, rarely do you see a story that's based in, like, astral projection. It's a different type of ghost story. I've only seen that in one other movie uh, called Eternal Evil that came out in, like, the 70s. Uh and so this was like a really cool modern take on it. And it had effective scares. The score was terrifying. And maybe James Wan wasn't too present in this, like on this movie and in, in, uh, watching over the last door, because you could clearly tell it's completely different from chapter one. Chapter well, let's, two. let's be clear not to cut you off. He wasn't present in the conjuring fucking three either. And that showed like a motherfucker. But you know, but you know what though? I actually enjoyed conjuring three more oh. than two personally for me i like the story a lot better because i think sometimes james wan goes a little overboard and this is not story wise just with like the cgi like the nun looked horrible to me when like they close up on her face and her teeth literally look like pick like little pac-men like that are pixelated <laughs> it's just like too much compute like he relies on cgi a little too heavily that's just me but um that's not saying the story was was effective. I I just like the Conjuring Three aspect of like uh, the witch kind of story, like the like the uh, not witchology. I don't want to say that word because that's not a real word, but um, kind of like the 
I'll have to look it up real quick. I think I have a dictionary pretty close. <laughs> Which I'll Conjuring up. 3 or Insidious 3? Conjuring 3. Okay. Like the devil made me do it. Yeah. Yeah, because I never saw yeah, that, one. I, that That movie infuriated me to the point where I probably had my most angry really? on the show. Yeah, because The Conjuring 2 is a masterpiece. You it's, think so? Um, wow. It, okay. I like it better yes, than the first 100%. one. 100%. I like Conjuring really? better than the first one. Yeah, better script, better, better character development, wow. better acting, better everything. Wow. Yeah, I I'm mean, in the it, it, I, yeah, I'm in the corner. I'm Blair witching this shit right now. I'm I'm completely uh, yeah. I think I thought the first <laughs> one was clearly better than the second one. The second one seemed a little too jumbled for me, balancing like the two storylines. Uh, was a little. Yeah, too... I mean, hey, hey it, you know, everyone's gonna see their own viewpoint yeah. on it, but at the same time, like to me, the first Conjuring oh, felt like extremely straightforward, and I, I appreciated that there was more to the second movie and i felt like the scares were were better and the atmosphere was better you know i've seen everything in the first conjuring and other movies before and i felt like that he upped the ante in the second one but in terms of direction especially if you're if you're viewing it in that sense better direction overall you could see he matured as a filmmaker that's what frustrated me about conjuring three because the filmmaker is a fucking hack and he had made the curse of la Llorona. yes um, bum bum it, it, but I liked that movie. I liked that movie. I thought it was convincing in terms of just like we were talking about here, you know, A to Z scare, you know, whatever you want to call it. But after that, these movies have not done anything to impress. And last year we had so many other movies with these new up and coming directors showing that you can still do these kinds of movies, make them successful and nail the audience to the fucking floor. Yeah. Look um, at what Ty West is doing. He's exactly. taking big swings, and thank God we have Maxine coming out. It's been a rough <laughs> year for horror, by the way. Well, 2023 is the complete opposite of 2022. Yeah, we had some heavy hitters last year, but a movie we're going to talk about later, talk to me. Uh, Maxine, I'm assuming Ty West is going to crush it again, just given his track record. But I, I, I'm very good friends with someone that worked on it. Um, I've seen parts of the script. All right. I can tell you right now, I am the biggest Brian De Palma fan in the world. And my original idea was it's going to be more like body double and dress to kill. And after reading what I read, it's going to be more like body double and dress to kill like an American Giallo movie. And that's based on what I read. I don't know about, you know, in terms of seeing it, but, you know, Ty West, he's 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 crushing it right now. Yeah. Um, in terms of like trying to do something that brings back the old, that'll still satisfy the new. It's great. It's fantastic. Well, it's I just think... something like he's bringing a lot of he's he's, you could tell he's a big horror fan and that he loves like in-depth characters and especially with Pearl. And when you marry that with like a great writer with a great like he has a clear vision on what he wants to do good dialogue good everything yeah good I, everything. and i liked I mean, pearl better than x just because of like the character study of like uh pearl's descent into madness and how like he yeah, directed a modern, a modern psycho yeah real. i mean not mod i mean modern in terms of the filmmaking now but you know a throwback to that yeah and it's what beautiful. he just elevates and mia goth elevates the material that he writes and it's a shame because going back to Insidious, the Red Door, Patrick Wilson with the right script. And the thing is, he directed himself. 
and just and, the he, script was so he, he's not shallow. even the main character though i think the main issue with the movie is that you're putting the entire movie on the shoulders of this young actor ty simpkins who plays dalton the movie is not focused at all whatsoever it's it's all on dalton it's going to be it's his story that's what the movie's based on going to college kind of fish out of water and trying to learn who you are trying to remember your past and unfortunately i'm not shitting on ty simpkins he's a he's a decent actor but he was not the right person to play this role for this movie in terms of carrying the entire movie on his yeah, shoulders i'm sorry i agree no he was he was yeah. kind of a wet blanket during this movie i i remember thinking like man you got to give me some charisma if you're the main character you gotta and also your name is fucking dalton dude <laughs> give me some patrick's fucking swayze roadhouse charisma or some shit yeah. no nah, they would I never mean... know because when when the i don't know if it was the script's <laughs> idea to have him do this but he was just you know you could play the teen angsty kid and make him charming or you could do what he did and just took it like surface level and did nothing with it and and, and also on, on paper too and I, I argued about this with my co-host and we reviewed this on paper it is the most generic stereotypical starving artist i hate my life my grandmother just died i'm wearing all black and i don't want to be social and yes that's fine and dandy except for not all of them are like that you know i've lived that life i know plenty of people have it's okay to still be creative and not hate your entire fucking family in your life. Um, yeah. But I get what they're trying to do, you know, underneath and the underlining themes. And like, he has this issue that he's been dealing with and is an adulthood, you know, he's trying to pull from his past and realize like, why am I like this? I hate my father. All of that is interesting. If the writing was better yeah. and his performance portrayed it in that way i think the ideas on paper are solid it's just the output does not work yeah well said and um what did you guys think about the roommate character i mean at least she was you know trying to bring some energy to this movie some much needed energy but kind of needed to turn the volume down a little bit in a few parts like people don't talk like this in this type of situation it was yeah it was like oh you're the comedic relief i think we know what she's there for um for more than one reason but i thought she was actually pretty charming yeah you know, i think I, she we needed some levity there we needed yeah. a little bit of because the rest of the movie's so fucking sour and just all right dude do I really want to kill myself while I watch this movie? Not even depressing in the way that they want you to feel just depressing. And like how long, like you said, Phil, can I sit through this? Yeah. Shit? I was depressed you know? that and I yes. spent 30 bucks on me and my date to go to the movie. I was like, God damn it. Um, I'm, I'm really sorry about this. I didn't know it was going to suck this. Bad. And it's not even the actor's <laughs> fault that the script oh, of course was not. just so bad and that the jokes were just falling flat. At least for me, I didn't feel like they hit enough. Uh, she's a, like a charming actress like you said there was nothing wrong with the part it just sinclair everything felt daniel forced yeah. yeah sinclair daniel she i mean she did a good job with what she had she didn't have much uh it's just a shame that they they wasted her there i felt like there were a lot of parts that were cut out of this movie that could have been like segues to different scenes because things just like happen and there's no rhyme or reason for them and i i like the fact that you know the whole 
oh, you thought it was a guy. She's saying with a girl, that could have been something cool to explore, you know, like to have, you know, he felt comfortable around her to talk about his issues or something like that. Like she disengaged him to stop being so like brooding. That would have been cool. But like there was just nothing. There was nothing to dig there. I felt like they just kept trying to get to the next scare or next set piece. The next set piece, my friends, is Nick the motherfucking dick. Oh, my God. I completely oh, yeah. blocked that out of my memory. Oh, I loved him. And you know what's so great about <laughs> it? Um, my friend who runs Flash Film News, <laughs> he actually messaged me and he was like, dude, that's my cousin. He played that role. <laughs> and I was like, he's a great fucking actor because I hated him in that role. But I thought it was hilarious. I don't know if you guys were frat guys or ever experienced that at all. No. But uh, that shit was legit. And uh, I, thought, I mean, he did what? a good like, job playing a douchey frat guy. He got yeah, that point across. You know what? The good thing about this is, and I'll, I'll give the movie this much, because I thought it might go in this direction, is that it did not do this extremely generic thing that all of these movies the last couple of years want to do. And that's have bullying as a main theme. I was so thankful because I was about to get really annoyed and want to walk out because I'm so fucking sick of it where bullying is like a central theme to a movie. I'm like, dude, seriously, like, just let it go. Okay. Like, it's been overdone. After Halloween ends, I'm like, no, (laughs) I'd rather shoot myself in the fucking head and have my brains explode all over (laughs) than watch a bunch of little pussy ass dudes, you know, bullying some kid that could probably just slaughter them in two seconds. No, thank you. Believe it or not, people are more accepting nowadays in 2023. Believe it or not, what you, you know, the Internet is the wild, wild west. But in general, people are kind of more accepting of other people's personalities more that's true that's true uh, like it was it's not like oh he's the nerd you're fucking lame like it, it's not like that anymore Dude, everyone's nerds nerd. are cool now exactly we're cool now we're cool marvel the runs jocks, the world man. you know um but no, I, I was just glad you know as a side note there that they did not go with that because when they were building up those scenes that were in the frat i was like oh no something's gonna happen they're gonna get caught in the room someone's gonna get beat up you know, we're going to see another situation where a nerdy kid or artist kid gets the shit beat out of him just for being there. And that did not happen. And I have to give them props for that because that would have been the most generic thing ever. Yeah, it's because they went even more generic with the father and son relationship where he's like, hey, do you want to go to a frat? Like, this is what I used to do and play football. Ha ha ha. And just like the inept father, like, I again, I get what they were trying to do. But Patrick Wilson's character being like distant seemed like it would be more interesting than him trying to like connect through through like it's, it just seemed too basic connect with like a frat like do like like go out and drink it just seemed like that was a trope that could have been something different he could have been trying to like work like just work it out better with a, with a son and it just seemed a little like hit the net like it was too too close to like hitting if the anything, on the head like if too anything that connection could have been hey Let's get a six pack and we'll bond together, you know? Yeah, it was very yeah, uh, it, get out of my room, dad energy. You know? Yeah, and he like, was just like, oh, like, what do I do? I take my son to a football game or something to connect? It just seemed like so like white bread, basic America. For this for this movie, um, I want to ask you guys a question. Was there any moment where you felt any real tension did any of the jump scares work for you at all? Because 
for me, no, nothing worked. No. I mean, well, you know what's what's coming. Yeah, and I mean, if you compare Patrick Wilson to James Wan's directing style, like, I'm not the biggest James Wan fan, but you can't deny that nobody knows how to craft a jump scare like him. Our lord and savior, and one we trust. In terms of jump scares, <laughs> yes. Oh, no, for me and everything. James Wan. He's, he's my man. He's like, uh... He goes one-on-one with himself and wins every time. James Wan is like the slam dunk competition. It looks cool. <laughs> You can, you're not going to make it to the finals just dunking the whole time. You got to kick it out to Steve Kerr and let him hit a three. You can't just, you can't win the game based on that. And James Wan. You you've been watching the last dance documentary again. <laughs> I, I'll <laughs> gladly watch it. It's great. <laughs> three times, right? Now. I, I've three seen it three times, times I'll as keep well. Going. It and I don't even give a fuck about sports. Go Bulls. I don't care at all. <laughs> Everyone cares about Michael it. Jordan, though. I'll still watch it. But, my, but no, my, Phil's, my, Phil's absolutely right. My horrible point is, is that like, yeah, James Wan is the man at, okay, somebody hears a noise in the other room, a character goes to investigate it, go. Create a really well-crafted jump scare with camera work and angles and not showing the audience what he doesn't want to show you. He's the man at that. As a whole, I just never found his movies to be anything above that. It's like, he's he's pretty good. He's in the middle lane with Patrick Wilson. He's cruising. He's not he's not speeding. He's he's not he's doing slow 65, lane. baby. But I think Patrick Wilson, he's in the slow lane on this one. He popped a tire. He's on the shoulder. No, no, yeah. He's taking a piss in the woods. Yeah, his I his mean, his engine ran out of fuel. He's, <laughs> he's got he's got his toolbox. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And but I dare say, I dare say I have to disagree slightly. When it's your first movie that you're directing, I've seen a lot. And I know you guys have two directorial debuts that are absolute garbage. Oh, sure. And this movie, yeah. I will not liken to garbage. Now, luckily, he had the advantage of good production behind him. Yeah. You know, so there's that. Like, he had a lot of people to help him. And But my point on this, though, is I will slightly agree that with his experience on these franchises, you would think he would know a little bit better. So it should have been better than it was. I never expected it to be you know, out of the gate masterpiece or even to the level of a lot of the movies we saw last year. But I still expected better from him knowing like, you know, when you mentioned earlier, like the Vincent Price, you know, Vincent Price did some directing and it wasn't all that good, to be honest with you. But, you know, like he spent so much time on the set that he understood how those movies worked. And we don't really have those actors anymore like Patrick, where they're in so many horror movies where you would expect them to just automatically know what to do with a movie like this. So I have to give them some points there, but also take them away at the same time. I think that's why the movie is where it is for me. It's literally just right here. I couldn't hate it because I knew what it was and I knew who made it and I knew what entry it was. Like, it's different if it would be like an up and coming filmmaker where there's a lot of people championing this person as this huge new talent. This guy was just like, Hey, I've been in a bunch of these movies. I've worked with you a bunch. Let me make one. And James is like, here you go. You know, here's your, here's your, your entryway into that. Um, I think he did a, he did a disservice to himself though, by directing this movie, the fifth installment of this franchise has kind of ran out of steam at this point. Like just start. But I think it's a, 
it's a perfect entryway just to like to get his feet wet yeah because he knows as i said earlier it didn't really matter how much we all feel about the movie in the long run because it made a shitload of money and they're going to keep making them had he made an original movie with no brand recognition or ip attached to it it could have bombed and hurt his career and made him feel terrible here it's like well there's a loss but at the same time there's a huge win you know so i mean i think you have to look at it from both sides of it because financially it had the biggest fucking opening of any insidious movie of all time so for him whether the movie you know is the best thing he'll ever direct or not is yet to be seen but he made a financially successful movie good for him for him and his career means that he'll continue to get opportunities most likely we'll we'll, we'll have to see now again i'm not championing this movie at all i I didn't like it i didn't hate it but it's just like we call about like that middle ground i hate to say mid because that's like the shit my kid says that was mid god bro but 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 it's true though i mean like (laughs) the movie is the red door as a whole (laughs) the score is unforgettable the performances i mean at best there's a few people in there trying their best but i mean you know the camera work Eh. oh and another thing okay so every insidious movie there's like a new demon that gets presented but with this one we're just back to the uh like i was saying earlier doug the guitarist in mudvayne in the dig video we're back to the red, the red lipstick fucking yeah, the demon and then dog dick face looking guy like but yeah like that character just for whatever reason aesthetically just does nothing for me he just looks it's like did they go to party city and just slap some oil paint on this guy like dude he looked way cheaper here they didn't give a shit at all whatsoever that's because they used ketchup to cover his whole entire face yeah (laughs) it was high which made by heinz which fucking brand though heinz that shit was bright sure it wasn't hunts that looked like some hunt shit to me i don't know it looked, it looked it had a little maroon hint to it, but it was bright. Oh, and how about when uh, when on. Dalton turns evil? They're like, here, stop. Here's that. your spooky contacts, and here here's your contacts, and the same pale white shit we saw in the Evil Dead. F- Never mind. I'm not. Oh. Please hold on, hold on. Hey, take a step back. Here. Hey, we share your your sentiment here, sir. I don't want to have a heart attack. I don't want to break a fucking blood vessel on my brain again over anything. Oh, we. Uh, um, but it's it, it's true. Movie. I mean. <laughs> They're, 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 I, I warmed up to it after they sent me the disc and I watched it again a little bit, a little bit. And I'll discuss that in another situation. Um, a little bit. Yeah. Have you <laughs> rewatched much. it, Doug? Uh, no, I, I kind of don't plan on watching it. Same. Uh, if I'm with someone and they want to watch it, sure, I'll put it on. Uh, that's a movie that, like, I think is very middle ground. Didn't hate it, didn't love it. It was just kind of decent for me. Uh, just because of some, I liked a lot of the scenes. The kills kind of did nothing for me. Um, and the gore did nothing for me because it's the least gory of all the evil dead movies. Uh, I guess besides army of darkness, um, but the cheese grater, Doug. Oh my God, dude, the studio, I, gr- I use that cheese grater, cheese grater more in my Parmesan cheese in my <laughs> pasta than they use on oh. that chick's leg. <laughs> when they sent me that cheese grater, I was like, I wanted to be like, throw it fucking face you did nothing with this thing. yeah um but no, I mean, honestly i usually will give 
the majority of movies a second opportunity because I, I i love movies so like sometimes i'll find something more in them unless i absolutely hate them uh that one i felt necessary to do so here that's why i feel this way about this movie because there's nothing here for me to revisit yeah. i think that movie still had a few moments where i got excited there's interesting camera work good cinematography i enjoyed some of the score it was performances fun. and stuff like that here there was not a single thing for me to remember it was the definition of you know point a to point z fill in the blank paint by numbers get it done get it out movie and it's going to work for some people but apparently based on what i've seen you know and what we're talking about here we're all kind of on the same page with the majority of people the movie just overall did not land oh how about the ending holy shit <laughs> what ending i felt like nothing happened because it was so it was so rushed just, everything got handled so quickly yeah it's like oh, you didn't even really have time to react to it ending. they're wandering around on soundstage b with their lantern and <laughs> oh my god the new metal demon is chasing them and dalton <laughs> grabs some paint oh spoiler by the way if you haven't seen it uh you're not missing much but dalton grabs you should have said that earlier on in the show <laughs> well you should have said that earlier people on know show. by now like we can't help ourselves we just spoil <laughs> shit um it's been out for for yeah. a little over a weekend. We're okay. But Dalton just grabs some paint and paints over his door, and that's it. Maybe right. a metaphor to use art to you know cast away your demons. Probably not though. They probably just thought of a corny way to get rid of the demon and a new entry point for Insidious Chapter Six. Holy sh holy fuck! How are we making any more of these movies? <laughs> but you guys both stay till the end, right? All the way till the end, 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 uh, end. No, I left. What I couldn't. Okay, so there's a post credit scene. Well, with what happened? What? Uh, the door that was painted black. Yeah. The light in front of it starts to flicker. <gasps> okay, uh, I would have leaving it open for someone else to make another one, I've... which you guys would have had to expect. I mean, oh, it made. I mean, it made thirty-two million dollars, oh, like way over its budget. So, of course, they're gonna make more. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, the ending, like you were saying, Phil. I mean, everything leading up to it, it didn't like come to like. Like, like you said, you clearly notice that James Wan is not at the helm with this because he does a really good job at like ramping stuff up and these fast paced kind of scares. And at least for the climax, it happened with the conjuring happened in insidious chapter one and two, you get these awesome twists. You get these very heightened pseudo action horror sequences. And this was just like flat and yeah. somber. Yeah. And like they were in the further for about. I don't know, two minutes and Dalton was just hiding under a table and Patrick Wilson found him and was like, I'll unlock you. And it happened. And the demon guy was behind him like fucking Mr. Dink and Doug. He was like, hey, Patrick, <laughs> Mr. Dink. I'm right over here. Do you have any ketchup that I could use on this sandwich? <laughs> I could just use the ketchup on my face. And then Patrick Wilson turned around and said, oh, shit, you're here. Somehow got a key unlocked his son ran out the door and painted and the son painted over the door and that was it and he said i love you i love you son and it ended i'll be honest i'm glad you just gave that recap because this was the point in the movie where i was just like zone tuning out i was just thinking like what do i need to get from the grocery store tomorrow uh like i was just 
I, I was I was in the further. <laughs> get me further away from this theater right now. I'm ready to go home. No one needed to get Phil a lantern. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was I feel like if it was if there was a more seasoned writer and James Wan did a great job in the first one introducing the further because it's so cheap. It's literally just black. But you don't know what's surrounding you. That's what kind of made the first insidious horrifying. Like your imagination just wanders. They, they didn't even utilize it to the full. They didn't utilize the darkness to its fullest potential at all. I feel I feel like the third act here is the weakest. I Absolutely. think the build up to it on paper what is build up. Well, there is. I mean, thematically, there is build up in terms of character, the work that it, there is build up. I mean, I don't think so at all. I mean, I mean, on I'm just in terms of the characters and their progression in the movie, there's build up. Yeah, it's very clear that what happens to them, things start moving forward stronger in a sense. There's build up. It's not that powerful, but there is build up in terms of where the characters start and where they're yeah. moving. I mean, towards. they're moving forward to something. It just didn't seem like like well, that's well, what I was yeah. saying about they were missing a couple scenes. Like, I feel like it could have been a little longer. Yeah, it's just not powerful in, in, any, in any way or anything like that. But I mean, in terms of where the characters are, are trying, where they're trying to push them, they are moving in that direction. But once they get there, there's so little impact. It makes you forget about that because the third act is the weakest. And much like Phil said earlier, we didn't have like a new big bad. There is no big bad. There's no main villain. There's no nothing. There's just like glimpses of shit we've seen before no major threat to anything you know it's the same old jump scares we've seen i think my favorite scene in the movie is probably you know dalton in the frat getting puked on and i'm like cool all right all right you're going there with that like that's a cool visual or something like there there's nothing else that's all that creative in the movie for me if they what i did enjoy in the climax was when they pan over like they're in the further and dalton's hiding under the fucking table um and you see like these mannequins of the Lambert family. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, why is this demon pulling a mean girls? Like, why is he so obsessed with this family? That would have been cool <laughs> to like explore and maybe put in, uh, you know, put in the movie more as to like more lipstick demon stuff as to why he's so like obsessed with his family. Why is he coming back this long after uh, chapter let's two? Face it. The reason the lipstick demon is in this movie is because he's like, dude, I have I have no other career. I just need more money at cons. Please put me in this <laughs> yeah, movie so much. I can put on my fucking banner behind my my chair, Insidious the Red Door. So people are like, that just came out. Don't you want to meet him? And I hate to be cruel in that sense, but a lot of these actors, this is all they have. They go to these conventions week in and week out, and it's like, cool you're in the movie for fucking five minutes nothing um, is his fault i i'm not blaming this on the demon because he was effective in the first one uh i don't think he was he in chapter two i've seen it like eight times i don't even remember yeah he's in chapter two okay I think um, briefly yeah but again me. i didn't see it. i only saw it the one time or whatever but no my point is is that they they try to have this familiarity with the previous movies but they don't do enough with it if you're going to do that and this is going to be like a direct sequel to the second movie make it a blowout you know go go nuts make that ending a huge extravaganza make it insane scary terrifying fucking go all it, it was the most lackluster ending i've seen to a horror movie that i can remember yeah it's very somber. since halloween ends i was and about it, to say <laughs> i was about to say 
I yeah. had to put the dig in there. I had to jab the side, which I'll always hey, do. I don't even care. Always, but, always welcome um, here. So, but you know, <laughs> it, to me, it's just this is just a matter of a lot of different factors that came together to make this movie what it is. It could have been so much better. I think e- even with you know Patrick at the helm, we keep mentioning Scott. Poor Scott teams, dude. Just, just seriously, I. He might need to hang it up or take a break or go on a retreat to like clear his mind (laughs) because clearly (laughs) what he's doing isn't gripping enough or it isn't working. And again, like you said, this is like a popcorn blockbuster type of horror flick. And yeah, those are needed, but the audience is not stupid. You know, this is repetitive viewing. This is the same stuff we've seen before. We want more out of horror movies after we've seen you know, X and Pearl and Barbarian, which was like a crazy sleeper hit. And Smile, too. And Smile. I didn't mind Smile at all. And I, and I, I thought I Smile was solid. And I thought, yeah. As much as I, I, I the story was kind of familiar. It follows, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but the scares, they executed the scares perfectly in Smile. I jumped you can, you, every you can, you time. Can, you know, my point on that whole thing is you can redo the same shit over and over again because that's what Hollywood's been doing since the dawn of fucking cinema. I don't care about that. Go ahead, redo that movie and call it something else. As long as you bring something new to the table, make it fresh and do something slightly original with it, make it impactful, make it fucking land. I really don't care. Call it whatever you want to call it. But here, this is just an imitation of itself. Well, it's just, it's just so bare bones. It, it doesn't even feel like a complete movie because the script really doesn't go. And like they established the rules of astral projection in chapter two, chapter one, and they explained it again in the red door. And it's just like you wasted 15, 20 minutes on something that the audience already knows. You must be looking to not all of time. them, though, Doug, not all of them. There's that 13-year-old girl that's going to see it for the first time, so they have to reintroduce some of the same shit. I, I just to. don't think it's necessary, especially with, like, like just for example, I hate to drag Marvel into this, but, you know, if you go in to see Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness for, the, for your first movie, you're going to be a little fucking lost. And they don't explain the past 25 movies because it's a built-in audience. They know every the stakes, even though there were no stakes in that movie, but they should know the stakes going into it. And maybe I, I agree with you to a point that, uh, you know, some teenagers are just going out to see this movie to get out of their house and get away from their parents and get a hand job in the movie theater and get I mean, a little scared. They, they always have to have that one scene that explores what the movie is, whether it's five minutes or 10 minutes. It's been literally a thing in the horror genre since it began. Oh, okay. This is this is what this is. So if you didn't see the last fucking three or four or ten or fifteen, I mean, remember the Friday the Thirteenth sequels? They'd recap the fucking previous <laughs> movies in the opening in of the, the movie. beginning. Yeah, like that used to be a thing. With <laughs> but we're horror, better than you know? that now. <laughs> well, regardless, now it's just a line of dialogue or two, or them re-explaining the rules of what these movies are. And I think, you know, they're not necessary. But in terms of what they're trying to do like hey you you see this for the first time come back for the next one and that's just all they're trying to do they're trying to hook you in i i I, and i think i i i see what you're saying and from like a business standpoint yeah exactly and that's that's what i'm talking about yeah jason blum is a businessman i don't think he does a very good job at you know 
keeping us fans satisfied because that's a movie I like we all don't like this movie. I feel like they stumbled on this one and maybe we might not go see the next one and they'll do fine because they do a great job at marketing movies, but for like creatively, it, there's just nothing new and nothing there. And chapter one and chapter two of insidious were really solid movies. And like you said, it could have been like a blown out extravaganza at the end. And it just sucks that they didn't think of it in creative terms rather than, Oh, let's just throw this all together and put it out. People will go see it because it has insidious in the title and it's been a while. And I, I can't, I can't say anything about it because it made a lot of money. So they're going to keep doing it, but it just sucks because I, we all want more. We want more story. We want more development. We want better scares. And if these movies keep making money like this, obviously it's working. So they're not going to try very hard to like inject that new fresh feeling into these, at least franchises like the major franchises that seem to keep going on forever. What were some of your best worst moments of this movie? Like I've, I've got a couple. Oh, I got the, some. <laughs> uh, the, the classic trope of uh, I got to get down to the library and, and dig into the archives of the newspaper. And he's, and he's like, Oh my God, I know <laughs> that man. It's like, dun, dun, dun. yeah. Yeah, that part, and I did like the, like, what I think was missing from this chapter was, like, the mystery of it, like, how they, in chapter two, they try to find out who, like, the, um, that nun is, and you find out that, spoilers for Insidious chapter two, that it's a guy (laughs) who was in, like, the, you know, psych ward or whatever, and he was, like, a mass murderer, and it's a guy who got mistreated and dressed up like a girl from his mother or whatever it was, like, that was interesting, this had like no, again, no substance to it. It was just like, oh, this is my dad. This person who blasted through my window like a Mack truck. Mental health. Yeah. Oh, that would have been cool yeah. to explore. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. There was that line where uh, Patrick Wilson's talking to the doctor and he's like, uh, do you have a history of mental illness? Mental and he's health? like, yeah, mental illness. Mental illness? He's like, oh, not that I know oh, of. My, oh my God. Like it's fucking unheard of or yeah. something. The delivery, Shit, dude, the delivery is just abominable. Yeah. And it's uh, like, I, I think delivery. the stigma around mental health, I think we've moved past that. Like, oh my God, what are you accusing me of, Dr. Yeah, like it's a, re- it's a real Well, thing. even in the, o- the opening scene where he takes Dalton to his, you know, his dorm room or whatever, and he's like, well, have you ever thought about get- getting it looked into? And he's just like, I just keep pushing through. Yeah, like, it's just so, for real. Yeah. Like, the writing was just so, like, inept there. Like, Scott Teams has no idea what therapy even is. And just, like, go, just, like, those couple lines can just be a little deeper. Can just go, be a little more understanding. And one line that was just awful, when Dalton sounded like a pastor of the Mormon tabernacle, and he calls his brother, and he's <laughs> like, Tell me, little brother. Oh, yeah. I was like, what? Did we <laughs> oh, just go to oh, like, do we just, are they, is this movie taking place in Utah? And like, I'm going to tell you right now, the worst thing in the movie, and I am not one to shit on young actors. And I know what they were trying to do with bringing someone back I, in terms of an actor. I know what you're going to say. Holy shit. Oh, Andrew Astor is Foster Lambert. Dude, hang it the fuck up. Did you talk to Dalton? 
on the phone? <laughs> Is this you in this painting? Yo, bro, that's why I'm not going to college. <laughs> like, dude, I'm sorry, yeah. bro. Seriously, hang it up. It's not his fault. They're probably like, yeah, we'll pay you like 20 grand. Put some money towards your college fund if you come in this movie. And he's like, sure, why not? I'll sit by this fucking fire and, and, and spout off these lines. But goddamn, you know what? Maybe Maybe I was too harsh. I do prefer a horror movie with some terrible performances. So maybe he, maybe he's the guy, but I just, I I felt so terrible. I'm like, man, you stick out like a sore fucking thumb in this thing. You're and they had to make him a DJ. They had to make him a music producer. (laughs) Oh yeah. When he's sitting there and is a DJ. Yeah. Yeah. He has like his, uh, he has like the drum pad there and the microphone. I'm like, please don't play anything. I'm like, I'm like, y'all got some problems, but y'all still got some money to be buying that shit. <laughs> and Rose Byrne was you're not, like, you're not hardlined. Dude, Rose Byrne was like, yeah, I'll give you like uh, two days of shooting. Like, I've, I've read this script. I'll, I'll do you a favor, Patrick, because you're cool. Oh, but speaking of, I don't think half of the actors filmed their scenes in the same room. Patrick Wilson was mm-hmm. off somewhere else and Dalton was in college. They could have filmed it like there was no chemistry between them. I definitely don't think they were together a lot. I think just just the scene where he takes him to college, in, in yeah. the car, in the opening where they're at the funeral, and at the for, end, yeah, and then at the end, that's it. And yeah. also, and of course, I, you know, the the in the beginning of the movie was sort of interesting when um, Lynn Shay's character's like you know friend was like creeping in the graveyard and stuff like that, like. Oh, okay. This is giving me kind of like phantasm vibes. Like, is he going to get triggered and remember something? But it didn't even go to that length. Like they just under Steve, I think. Why did they even do that? Exactly. Like, I don't, I just think they wanted to bring him back just to be like, Hey, remember him. And then they didn't really do anything with him at all. And even the Lin Shay cameo, like, okay, enough. Like we get it. You don't need to include her in the movie. She has you no know what though. You know what though, Doug. I'll take Lynn Shay in everything because she is a national treasure, and yeah. I don't give a shit. You know, at this point, some of these actors are super old. So someone like Lynn Shay, who you know, I just screened Critters like what last week or two weeks ago or something, and she's so young in that. And when I saw her, and when I mentioned her name when I introed the movie, people just cheered. I'm like. I'll watch her do bit parts and cameos for the rest of her career until she dies and just be happy. Yeah, about she's. It. So, a, I, I just yeah, don't think that was a shining light for me. At least. She's a horror that legend. Was, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, she's she is a I legend. Mean, you can't take so that many away. Fucking movies. I'll, I'll take it, man. She, dude, she's Kingpin. fucking Bob Shay's sister, dude. I mean, you know, you, you gotta love her and everything. So when I saw her, I was like, it's great to still see her out doing something. Yeah. Even though the ending of the movie, I'm like, oh, you're just like standing there. Oh, because you know. Yeah, she oh. was like green screened okay. in. It doesn't even seem like she okay. was standing in the street. All right. Oh, speaking of the ending, uh, Doug, you told me this the other day. The song that plays at the oh. end. Pat- Correct. The, yeah. the new ghost song. Is Pat- with Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson sung that? Yes, with Ghost. So the, the entire reason behind that that I was told is he's such a huge, massive fan of Dream Warriors that he wanted something like that because he's such a big horror fan that he wanted to do like something like that with like a modern rock or slash metal band, whatever the fuck you want to call Ghost. 
I don't like ghosts. Same. I, I, I like the synthwave ghost. I don't like this ghost. Um, but that was his idea to do that. And then they agreed to do it. And the song's not the worst thing I've ever heard. So I was like, all right, cool. That, you know, I miss the days of having like a soundtrack song connect to a movie or whatever. Yeah. You don't really see that a whole lot these days. So props there. But I thought it was like a like worship music, like a Christian rock band. I was like, what the fuck is this? As I was walking out of the theater, I was like, this is so bad. But It, it matched the tone of the movie, though. It was very somber and very dull. Uh, and nothing, against, <laughs> nothing against Patrick Wilson. And, and I, I hope Blumhouse gives him another shot at something original. And, you know, he stayed with these characters. Uh, they must be very near and dear to him. And it's just a bummer that they couldn't end it with a bang. Uh, and it would be interesting to see what else what other projects that he decides to work on? Cause he is a good actor with like the right script and he knows horror. He is a horror fan. Yeah. And he's a competent director. I mean, this, it, this is far from the worst movie I've ever seen. I just thought it was incredibly flat, you know? Um, but I'll definitely be interested to see what he does next. And I'll be rooting for him because Patrick Wilson's awesome. So and I'm, Patrick Wilson's supremacy. And I'm glad he's, he, uh, he's getting some money from this. It's awesome. You got to think every single director that we know and love has had one dud nine times out of 10. It's not like their first outing out of the fucking gate. But even so, you know, if there's potential there, we see it. And I still think that Patrick has a lot going for him here. He He knows the genre. He loves it dearly. So I will be looking forward to whatever the hell he does after yeah. this unfortunate if it i I guarantee he's probably already contracted a blumhouse so we already know where that's going um but let's just hope and pray because it's like however many movies out of blumhouse movies that are good i mean i can't even do the ratio right now i'm way too tired to try to figure that out yeah Maybe one out of twenty. I mean, at this point, but I'm not <laughs> Are we one talking just horror movies, or because Blumhouse like has produced like for for example like Whiplash, and that movie's incredible. Well, no, no, I mean, even when I talked to to J- Jason on my show like a few years ago when he popped on real quick or whatever, he's great to talk to, but it's just he's so business oriented. He doesn't really. I don't. I don't think he looks at the big picture anymore in terms of the movies. He's just looking at it as like you said earlier, Doug, in a sense, like the product that it is. And I think he needs more people around him that will say no, you know, and I think with his name in the brand and such, you know, there needs to be more people that will come in creatively and have say and such. But, you know, we're in a world now, especially with his company. I mean, it's independent. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Great dude. But, you know, if if Patrick is tied into the company right now in terms of directing, who knows what he's going to get thrown? They could just toss him the bottom of the barrel script again. Hey, Scott just came up with something last night in four hours and you're going to do it next week. You know, I, I, I'm I'm busting balls. But at the same time, it's like it would be great if he got something to do that was a little more nuanced, more fleshed out, better writing, you know fill in the blank yeah they need to focus on quality and not quantity at blumhouse mm. um mm. just unfortunately that's not their business model yeah. my friend yeah. that's the exact opposite of their business model yeah. they are the epitome of they're the closest thing that we have 
now to like you know the old video store days in the 80s where they would just churn shit out and they didn't give a fuck put a cool poster on it put a name on it and you know blumhouse is the opposite so i mean luckily even the posters have... aren't creative i don't even give them that much credit well i mean when do we ever get good posters anymore that's true we're not we're no longer in the 80s yeah, these days. But in terms just... of the business, in terms of the business model, it's the same. But yeah, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't connect in the same sense that it used to. So, any other thoughts on the red door, gentlemen? Before we shut the door on this movie, uh, <laughs> with some nails, please. Because before yeah, we nail this fucking door shut. shut, until we paint that shit black, and we're never going back in again. Put, I don't want to listen some, to paint a black some ever fucking again. Home Alone paint cans in front of this door. If you come through that door again, you're getting hit in the face. <laughs> let's Get let's pull here. like a, I saw the devil and throw some tacks on the, on the floor. <laughs> you know, I guarantee you guys ensure some injuries. <laughs> in three years, if they put out another one. I don't. We'll be taking paint thinner on that door, removing that black paint, and going. You know what? Why not? No, Insidious the Red Snore does not need to be <laughs> pumped up ever again. So this was uh, this was rough. So this I this was rough to get through. I guess we could talk about this now. No spoilers, by the way. But I caught an early screening of Talk to Me last night. Justin, no need to cover your ears. Pull, I, pull them out. I will. No, no, you you saw it at my company, right? My oh, the Alamo Draft House. I work for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. You do uh, the Terror Tuesdays. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. How did uh, how did you start doing that? Um, I actually created Terror Tuesday for Alamo Draft House. Oh shit. Um, it was Sick. like six at this point, seven years ago, where at our location in Ashburn. Uh, we just decided to start doing special screenings of movies where we would, you know, I didn't even work there at that point. Um, but myself and Loisos, who is an ongoing member of Epic Film Guys, he worked there as the creative manager. And I would say, dude, we should show this movie. And then I'll make a background and we'll make it special and I'll do an introduction and make it like a big production, you know, to kind of hype the movie up and, and make it like a more of a special event than just like going to see a movie yeah. and we started doing it and it started catching on really fucking well and people started coming out and loving it and just really enjoying it and um that coincided with dismember the alamo which is like our yearly horror fest we do in october and then all of a sudden i was told that yeah terror tuesday is going to be a national thing uh, and a monthly thing and so yeah they do it I here and fell into place yeah so it just turned into this thing where it's like this, you know, much like graveyard shift, which I'm not really involved in. They just wanted an extra date on the fucking calendar to do more horror with no introductions, no hosts, no guests or anything. But it, it just was an excuse for them to go, hey, this is working. We should do something with this consistently where we can bring people in. And um, it's been a treasure to me. I mean, it's been a huge part of my life the past six seven years um i'm showing jaws 2 later this month you know i awesome. get to do what i want to do and what i do here is consistent with all the dc locations so i book all of the horror in the entire region if you will um for alamo draft house it's just been fantastic the only bummer is is we can't show 35 so i i, I go to mahoning drive-in for that or the colonial and phoenixville for that stuff um but, you know, it's been, I mean, seriously, like the most rewarding thing that I've done, aside from my podcast, 
the last few years, just getting to spread the love of the movies that I appreciate. And I like to think that my personality shows with the titles that I choose. I'm like, fuck it. I want to show Jaws 2. I'm going to show Jaws 2. A few years ago, we showed Jaws 3 in 3D. Um, Earlier this year, we did Friday the 13th 3 in 3D, and Paramount sent us their brand new 4K DCP in 3D of that title, and it was amazing. So, you know, we get to do a lot of special stuff. We get to show people stuff before it, you know, gets out officially and all that nonsense. So, you know, it's, it's amazing. Unfortunately, by doing that as a job, stuff like you attended last night, you know, it makes it difficult when you do a podcast, you have a second job, this, this, and that. You're like, oh man, I can go do this too. So you're, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As soon as these tickets went on sale, I got them immediately. I was like, I'm going to see this fucking movie. And I can't help but get excited anytime A24 puts out a new horror movie. Call me at A24 Stan, whatever. I get I get hyped. I'm like, so what are they? Seeing? I'm there with I'm you. Like, I'm there I'm with like, you. What are what are they seeing in this that they decided to distribute it? And no spoilers, like I said, but it's going to be hard to top this one this year for me. I give it like a. Think about it. I said 10 out of 10, but maybe like 9.5. Whoa. I, I mean, holy shit, dude, it was you were really you were really feeling this movie. I was I was feeling it. I mean, that's a massive, massive. Well, recommendation, my friend, I'd say like a, a solid nine to nine point five out of ten. I don't know. I mean, uh, what do you consider a 10, though? I mean, I, I consider hereditary a 10. I would consider hereditary. A 10. Hereditary is absolutely a 10. Well, by that, yeah, I would say it's a 10. I mean, wow. if we're talking about original movies, brand new directors, Raka Raka. Have you guys heard of this YouTube channel? They they were they were just YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I saw who they were and stuff. I was these Australian were, YouTubers but... made a movie, and dude, it's so creative and original. Practical effects. I was like, oh, my God, thank you. That's right. Like some practical effects that truly make you like, Ugh. like, yeah, there, there's just a few really disturbing moments. Um, perfect editing. The sound design is so sharp and relentless. Um, it's just fucking amazing. I can't wait to watch it again on opening day. I'll I'll be there to watch it again. Yeah, I'm going to go watch it. Uh, luckily, there's a bunch of times over at the AMC, like a town over for me when it comes out uh, on like the 28th, 29th, 28th. I I'm think. definitely going to catch. Yeah, 28th. I think I'm going to go see it the 29th because I'm completely off that day. Uh, so I will have a clear mind, clear head going into it. And I'm I was when we first watched the trailer, Phil, um, you know, they really don't give anything away. I wasn't not excited for it. Uh, yeah, I was telling you I'm, on the phone the other day, a few hours before I went to see it, I was like, I'm really excited, but I have moderate expectations. And I asked you, I was like, how good can it be? Just judging by the trailer. It's like, okay, I see the premise. How, how good can it be? And holy yeah. shit, it delivers. Well, that that's how, and that's how you do trailers because we didn't really get anything out of the trailer. Same thing like barbarian. Barbarian looked very generic and it completely hid what the movie was actually about. 
And the fact that talk to me, I'm really not getting anything from the trailer and neither are you. Yeah. Could only go up from there. Cause the bar and the bar is set very low this year for horror movies. And much like barbarian halfway through the movie and pretty much the entire movie, I realized I have no fucking clue what's going to happen. Like it's, the unpredictability is hard to is yeah. hard to do sometimes. And it reminds me a bit of It Follows in the sense that if you try to describe this movie to somebody like, oh, these kids are doing this seance with this porcelain hand and they get possessed. You're like, OK, this sounds fucking dumb as I'm saying it. Much like when you try to describe <laughs> It Follows to somebody like it's a like a STD that follows you. A metaphor for chlamydia. Yeah, it, you always have to say you just have to see it. So it's kind of the same for this movie. You just have to see it. It takes a premise that in the hands of insert director here, it would just be another generic studio horror film, but Blumhouse got teams. Yeah. If this was Blumhouse, it would just be paint by numbers, jump scare bullshit, but yeah, like truth or dare levels bad. Probably. Yeah. But this one subverts. I never saw that one. This one, uh, definitely don't, subverted don't all expectations. And yeah, when I got in, when I walked out to the parking lot, I was like, I need a fucking minute. Like, what did I just watch? Um, dude, I swear to God, I'm about to light up a fucking cigarette. <laughs> talk about it, dude. I'm about to pound the rest of my fucking beer. And, like, and, I, and, I, and I wasn't it, even baby. excited about this movie until Phil told me about it when we talked on the phone last night and i was like wow okay i'm really pumped for this movie i now. called you i was I like had no... we, we got one baby we did it finally like <laughs> finally. About time. <laughs> we needed but, this but again a24 just unlike blumhouse where you see blumhouse and you're like "Ooh, maybe i should stay away from this a24 they just seek out solid talent unique voices and, and this is they... their debut i'm like yo whatever these guys are doing Sign me the fuck up. Like it, I want to be very clear. Not everything A24 is good. Sure. All of right? course. Very far from it. But at the same time, they always challenge you. Yeah. And that's what I appreciate. Oh, that's, that's what, what yeah. I, I, I you know, watch watching a lot of their movies. Uh, it's always it's always visually stunning. And and the story comes first. At least that's what when I watch an A24 movie, I appreciate that they put the story at the front and center that they're producing a movie that they believe in. And that is something, you know, it might be a little bit of a retread, but like, it's something completely different. It's from, you know, they give a lot of new directors a chance to, to, you know, you know do their, whatever their vision is like, you know, Ari Aster with hereditary and, and mid Samar and, and Bo is afraid Man. wild movies. They're his movies. Yeah. Uh, Bo is afraid. Never seen anything like that movie, uh, but and we never will. No, thematically, will. you know, there's always been movies out there about you know parental trauma. This was just next level. Um, so with Talk to Me, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do differently with this premise that kind of seemed a little Evil Dead like. There are at least in the trailer for me. Th there's definitely some Evil Dead in this movie. I saw you mention that in your story yeah. Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah a little in bit. In terms so. of uh, possession and what happens to these people when they fuck around with this hand. Um, being very careful here, but it almost yeah. sounds like a premise you would get from like a, like one of the 80s movies like we love, like Witchboard That's or Brain very, I was going to say Witchboard, yeah. I swear to God. Or, or, one of those. or even Hellraiser. 
I mean, they're fucking around with this yeah. little. Yeah, right. You yeah. play around with the yeah. game, and something really, really bad happens. Yeah. Like it I'm sounds really, dumb, really but like if they all they have to do is nail the tone. If the tone doesn't falter or anything, and they're like, you're like, what movie is this? Like, what are they trying to do? I feel like it's very hard for like directors to do. Tone is very important. If oh, this, man. if this, if you say this nails the tone, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Talk, you just said it. it's a twenty four. So a twenty four. I think. And I'll I'll leave it at this. I won't say anything more because I haven't seen the movie. They require a certain tone for every one of their movies. I don't think they watch anything and green light it unless they're like, oh, yeah, that has an A24 tone. So I think <laughs> you automatically know going into it, it will have some sense of that to that before you watch. It, it, it has a, like A24. Is, when yeah. I think of A24, I think gritty realism, even with the most ridiculous premises, like talk to me. I'm sure it's gritty and I'm sure you feel completely sucked into it. If what you're saying is, you know, I, I believe in what you're saying, Phil. Well, thank you, Doug. I try to say, I, I do. I do appreciate. Well, I don't believe opinion. a fucking thing you're saying. <laughs> right hey, now. look, don't tam- tamper your expectations. You might go see it and be like, I don't get the hype, but me personally, I was like, it takes a lot for me to, I haven't had that like disturbing sort of like, oh, fuck kind of feeling while I'm watching a movie uh, in quite a while, maybe since Hereditary, where I just. Are you telling me that that little phone and skin of a rink didn't upset uh, you at all? <laughs> it didn't it, it didn't tickle your balls a little bit, man. My balls, every hair on my ball was, completely fell off of it, Doug. fell off of my sack when I watched <laughs> Doug, Skinner you... I could not finish it. <laughs> I mean, Doug, liked I, I, I went to a local antique store. And I found a shelf, and I shit you not, three months ago, and it had six of those toy phones on it. Oh, uh, I had I had one, and I threw it out because I thought it was haunted. Doug, have you finished Skinamarink? Yes. Uh, so the first one, I, when you told me to watch Skinamarink, so Phil was like, I saw it in theaters. I asleep opening day. Yeah, like, you said you were kind of let me have passing it. out. I mean, I was there. What did you think, Justin? Uh, I fell asleep during it. Like literally fell asleep. I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this: much. you were close I, to it. Phil. I appreciate every movie for what it's trying to do. I think it it, it had a lot of ambition. Yeah, that's but a movie that challenges I, you. I don't think it worked. I think he created a world that we've never seen before, and he had the perfect stage to deliver a terrifying movie. It's like thirty minutes into it, I'm like, okay, I'm in. This is trippy. It's weird. He could scare the shit out of me right now if he just does something with this. But he, but he doesn't. He didn't, though. He didn't. And I, I guess it's like an exercise in patience or expectations. It's Well, that's what people try to say about it. But I think that's, you know, and I'm not going to go super in depth because we're talking about all these other movies. But I think that's an excuse. Sure. I mean, opinion. I'm not saying it made for a good movie. No. I, yeah, I think I think I think it, it could have and should have done more. But I don't think it did. And I think yeah. it just was chalked up to some poor decision making. There was something there and it didn't work. Yeah. And it's it, cool it, for I, people that loved it, though. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I think um, one of the advantages of this movie is that the way it's filmed and the graininess of it really adds to like the experience rather than it being like. If it wasn't like a found footage paranormal movie, it might not be as scary. But the fact that it kind of like, I don't know. And if you're not a fan of paranormal movies, like I know my friend Steve, 
not a big fan of paranormal movies. This really didn't get him, but it did literally terrified me to my, to my inner core and half at, like the turning point 35 minutes in, I had to turn it off because I was, I couldn't finish it. It was, I was alone. I shut all the lights off <laughs> and it's kind of like, um, I thought that the mood of this movie got to me a lot because it was just so the anti like I have anxiety and I deal with like OCD. Um, so when I'm like going somewhere and anticipating something, the anticipation for me is scarier than the actual thing. Uh, and this movie was anticipation porn. So uh, like yeah. I'm waiting for something to happen and I'm terrified cause I don't know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. So that like just my imagination wandering kind of messed with me. I get that. Um, so that's I'm a that's climax funny. guy. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm waiting for the climax, and when it comes and it's not good, I go, "That fucking sucked." I waited that whole fucking. I night wasted. I wasted a load on this. Jesus. <laughs> no, um, it's true though. I mean, you, you know, I, I I get what you're saying. Uh, it had a lot going for it. Uh, I have to, and I appreciate it. a movie where um, and just like Hereditary, and Midsummer, Midsummer. I know people say it a little snobbishly, so I'll say both ways. Um. I appreciate a movie Midsommar. Midsommar. Yeah. Midsommalier. I have a tattooed on my fingers. <laughs> Does that work? Yeah. Um, that's eight letters. Something like that. I can't count. Uh, Just make them fucking fit though. Come on. <laughs> Just sh- you sh- see some of the fucking yeah. tattoos you see people have these days. Jesus fucking Christ. It's pretty. Yeah. I'm sure there's some terrible Midsommar ones, uh, but I love a movie that you have to research afterwards and look up some articles and theories and like really read into it because of, you know, sometimes you don't, it's okay to not get and understand a movie right off the bat. So like with hereditary after I, and that's one of my favorite movies I think of all time. And me and, and I know Phil has a crazy affinity for it too. And loves it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Uh, after I saw that movie, I was researching it and looking up like different meanings. And I was like, wow, this movie goes just beyond deep. And I think, well, at least for me, Skinnamarink did that. Uh, and I was looking up a bunch of theories and I commend a movie that can, you know, make you think about it weeks and days after. Yeah, I've um, certainly been thinking about Talk to Me like all day, pretty much. And I can't wait for it to officially come out so I can see uh other people's breakdowns of it and what they think and we're gonna talk about it for sure well, go on twitter dog you'll see in and phil you'll see a million fucking thoughts already oh yeah you, you're, you're lucky you're not on there oh yeah I've, I, I already I've, i would never step into that shit of twitter. i've read some reviews and I, it's good for the it's good for your brand it's good for your brand oh man but yeah but but yeah i've already seen after what you said, I went and oh, immediately it was just, you know, because Alamo did so many advanced screenings right. all over the country for it. And I was like, oh, and the good part about that, not to cut you off, there was that 98 percent of it was all extremely fucking positive in the same vein of what you just said. So that just got me so hyped for it. Yeah, um, it's not as the flash was also positive. It, it's not as dense as hereditary. Like as far as the the level of detail that Ari Aster put into that, I don't think it's it's not deep in that kind of way. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot to unpack. <clears throat> excuse me to like unpack in it, and I'm just 
I'm excited for it to come out because first of all, I'm ready to see it again and take somebody <laughs> that hasn't seen it. Um, and I'm excited to see what you guys think and everybody else. I'm just, ex- I, I'm, pumped I'm just for pumped it. that I can't uh, wait. We got a good horror movie this year, a truly original and fucking visceral and just, yeah. Yeah. I'm and just like so what you excited. said, like, you know, sometimes you don't need a, a, a super deep, dense movie like hereditary or midsummer or Bo is afraid or sometimes you just need a good X or a good barbarian. Sure. Straightforward premise, but interesting, unique balls out crazy and scary horror movies need to be scary. Yeah. You know, enough with the anticipation and not have like, like we talked about jump scares can still be a thing, but they need to be well-crafted. Or you just can't have that anticipation of nothing happening. Yeah, they have to there be needs to be earned. a good balance. Yeah, scary, earned. unnerving, disturbing. Whichever way you want to go with it, you have to connect with me in a way where I'm uncomfortable. Yes. Or you affect me emotionally where I'm like looking at what I'm seeing on the screen and feeling something. I don't want to see this, but I do want to see yeah. this. It doesn't matter what it is. And I agree with the both of you. I have not yet experienced that this year. As much as I have championed mm. a few mainstream horror movies myself, regardless of our opinions on those movies here tonight, um Insidious the Red Door not being one of those. Yeah. So at least we agree <laughs> on that one. But, I um yeah, I I I, I want to be challenged in some way, even if it's only a little bit. And I expect that from all my movies, whether it's a drama, action movie, comic book movie, what have you, it doesn't matter. I want to be challenged. So that that's how I Or just to see something that theater. or just to feel something. Like, yeah. I think that I think a lot of the movies that we've seen this year, me, me and Phil have talked about it a bunch of times. There's a lot of, at least in the horror genre, the movies this year have suffered the worst adjective of all time, which is boring. You never want your movie to just wash over you and you leave the theater and you're like, I don't feel anything. This movie d- didn't move the needle for me in any way. Yeah. Even Scream 6, I absolutely hated it, but I, I had emotions towards it. See, I loved it. So I'm the exact opposite. It was. Oh, I'm glad it moved the needle for you in a positive way. Inter- yeah, it, it did something. Yeah, you know, it, it made it made us feel some type of emotion. But for example, with Insidious, the Red Door, it, it just it was just dull and bland. And even Scream Six, I would gladly watch again with people just to like hate watch and have a good time because it was fun in a sense. Insidious, yeah. the Red Door, I don't see myself going back to because there's nothing to latch onto there that's like interesting or fun to watch so other than maxine are you guys looking forward to anything am i forgetting something i'm curious to see the exorcist just to see it uh, <laughs> i can't say i'm excited about it uh, I, I just want to see how uh, justin can you come to new york for that justin, movie i'm assuming that, we see that movie together that you saw that um they did a early screening and it went horribly and yeah, I know one of the one or two people. One of them reached out to me that went to one of those. What did they say? Or can you say? Or I can say because I don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah, let's hear it. Because <laughs> um, as much as Warner Brothers <laughs> invites me job. to events, they never listen to what I do. So it doesn't matter. I can just say, "Hey, Warner Brothers, I love you, but suck my dick," and they don't care. <laughs> um, or whatever studio it may be, it doesn't matter. No, uh, two people I know went. One reached out to me and said, uh, "Yeah, it's a mess." 
you think really they're going to do any reshoots or mess. they're already doing them right now oh. so yeah they've been doing them i don't know if they're finished with them or not but we all know reshoots don't mean bad every movie does mm-hmm. reshoots every single fucking movie in the world that has ever existed for i mean yeah most of them have reshoots but they are doing reshoots and they're doing massive reshoots for it so yeah i heard just they were like it was what you would expect from the guy that made the last three halloween movies and i love halloween 2018 same i I have loved it so you know that so it's like you know it's and i don't i don't hate kills anymore as much as i used to i still don't like it that much but you know i I want a good storyteller yeah i want someone that's i mean friedkin david gordon green (laughs) i mean even even william peter blatty who did exorcist three i mean solid movie it's great movie you know um especially living near the dc area you go by those locations all the time and you're like hey there's that spot but no i mean it's just we need better filmmakers involved in these and i feel like in terms of david gordon green i'll I'll rest on this it was a matter of hey you made the halloween movies that are making shitloads of money we have the property how about you do this even though you're not the right fit. And we've seen that so many times in Hollywood regarding horror movies before where you just get slapped into that spot and you're forced to make the thing. And you're like, here, $10 million, make this movie. Um, I just don't think he's the right guy for it. But hey, I will fairly judge when I see it. Yeah. But based off what I've heard, it's it's nothing to look forward to. So, But I'll still be there for it early screening opening night whatever it may be i'll still be there to watch it and he's actually writing it david gordon green and directing it and then i just looked up there's an other writer who really didn't do much he did like three projects um called like camp x-ray which i've never heard of i don't know if you guys have ever heard of it no um so maybe no. he's kind of the linchpin to it being semi acceptable but i just don't think yeah gordon green david gordon green to me just doesn't have a good sense of the horror genre yeah great comedy i mean i, mean, I love righteous gemstones and righteous is is legendary dude, let's make that I, that's awesome yeah. eastbound and I down mean, um vice principals i love that entire crew at rough house pictures i love all those guys but horror is not their forte i hate to say it too and I, I, again i'll i'll stop talking i promise oh no you're fine <laughs> but a reboot of halloween is nothing like a reboot of the exorcist the exorcist is a perfect movie it's hard to improve on perfect and it's different when you have a franchise that has had a few random spin-offs slash sequels versus one that had a fucking hundred yeah so expectations people i'll leave it at that it's also it's kind of that- bad taste to jump from the halloween franchise to the exorcist like why not do something original, find your voice in the horror filmmaking world, and then maybe take on the exorcist. It just feels undeserved. Like, yeah. Especially when Halloween gets really trashed. Yeah. You know, Phil goes back to what I said earlier when we talked about the red door, Halloween, 2018 came in as one of the biggest financial successes in the horror genre of all time. Kills. You know, even during the COVID era, still massive success ends still modest success. They don't care. Yeah. You know, it's all about they're just the going, here's the paycheck. And I hate to be like this cynical guy on social media. I just got shit for it yesterday because people were like, 
oh my god another wonka movie and my response is shut the fuck up don't watch it they're gonna keep making them when you're 70 there's gonna be five more of these stop acting shocked or surprised that there's another sequel or remake or reboot or equal because that's been what hollywood's been doing since the dawn of cinema if you act shocked or surprised you look stupid or silly to me because nothing's off limits i feel the same way about the crow i mean people are like oh this is bullshit it's like well dude how many how many sequels did that movie get and people are like you could never remake the quote crow and i'm like dude there was a fucking shitty tv series with that one dude that did I i forget his name he's a good actor most of the time he was in the last john wick movie john wick chapter four or one of the last ones he's good in it he plays the crow um but my point is no one should feel upset or personally harmed by another remake reboot sequel whatever what have you because hollywood has always been show business they're in the business of making money whether we like it or not this is not my opinion in terms of what i like or dislike it's just a logical view of the business as a whole i mean doug i know you're a huge vhs guy i know you're huge into those obscure titles from back in the day and a lot of those titles were just churned out to make money they they had terrible scripts no cast shit production money and they churned them out and a lot of those movies we love you know so it's like you never know what's going to come out and what we're going to love or what we're going to hate, but just people need to stop acting like, Oh my God, another little mermaid, another fill in the blank, Batman, another Michael Myers, another, yeah, whatever it is like, dude, just calm the fuck if down. If the product like, is good, then I don't give a shit. Even if it's not good, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I don't have to go watch it. I'm not forced to. It's not like I'm being, you know, clockwork orange. My eyes fucking spread open and, I'm forced to watch it. You know, we have choices in life. So yeah. it's just a matter of see it or don't. Yeah, I always say, and like, if you don't like it, then don't watch yeah, it. Yeah, if they remake something, nobody's going to knock on your door and be like, hey, we're remaking uh, The Lost Boys. Hand over your copies of the original. Can never watch it again. It's like, okay. It, it doesn't affect your enjoyment of the old movies exactly. or old TV, whatever it may be the old ip whatever it is yeah. i mean there's I a just, lot got- of movies out there there's a lot of directors and there's a balance of both there's a lot of remakes there's a lot of requels there's a lot of reboots there's also plenty of original films that are coming out too there's That's true there's both you don't That's have to true. watch the remakes obviously everyone is going to have their opinion on it and i think that's what's good about good and bad negative and positive about the internet and the world is that People are going to have opinions. People are going to shout them. People are going to feel really passionate about their opinions in sometimes a hurtful way just because they feel hurt about it. There's definitely better ways to to talk about it, like how we're having a discussion about a movie that yeah, we don't like, true. but there's very true. He- yeah, there's always healthy, healthy ways to talk about it. You know, we just trash Insidious, but we're not. You guys, oh, we're not completely bashing it say, in a way that's like completely say. hateful. You guys were very, very professional in terms of trashing. Oh, yeah. That's if you if you look at what I used to do on do. my show <laughs> seven or eight years ago, you'll hear some really severe, hateful trashing. You guys are very politically. Well, we've in, in connection with that. we've really let we've let some movies have it and just. But I mean, we, yeah. we never want to be 
nasty about it or like, hey, if you like this movie, you're fucking dumb. It's like, of course, everybody's yeah, going to have a not. different of opinion. And, All subject. Yeah, of course not. <clears throat> and yeah. we don't enjoy when a big movie comes out and everybody loves it, like Scream 6 or Evil Dead Rise. I don't like being like what the fuck did you guys watch? Cause I didn't get that at all. Like, I don't want to be the contrarian like shit on it just you know, because you, God. you know, my trademark line, man. Oh, you know film it. is subjective. So, there you go. I live by it. I live by it forever. Yeah. And that's my point here is that no one's forcing anyone to watch anything. And if we feel differently, there needs to be conversation. Uh, exactly. The thing I hate that, that I hate the most is, that movie's trash and that's all they say and i go why surface level or or answers or or, or versus whatever they may say like you know just why just tell me why you know and then i'll feel satisfied in knowing why you felt the way you felt you know i think there just needs to be more context more nuance in terms of these responses and here i'm getting on my high high, well no because nuance is high horse a lot of these conversations (laughs) a lot of conversations aren't happening especially when you have YouTube comments and Twitter comments and Instagram comments and everything, it's also service level. People don't want to go deep. People don't want to have the discussion of why they hate something, why they dislike something. So a lot of people feel like a lot of the population, and maybe this is I'm being the, the cynic now. A lot of people are are just they just don't want to go that deep and think about it. They're like, this movie fucking sucks. And that's how I feel about it. Why? I don't know if maybe they don't know why, Doug. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they just think they think that they know and they don't really know. Or maybe they do know. That's why you have to think about it a little more and have these discussions to like, well, like maybe because there's a lot of movies that me and Phil talk about and we all talk film with other people and stuff like that. And there's been times where I was turned around on a movie that I didn't like and I saw a different perspective on it speaking with someone and I watched it again and I was like, okay, I either, I still don't like it, but I understand or this is different. And and again, you could watch a film that you hated or disliked 10 years from now. And just because your life experiences changed or you change as a person or evolved and your mind is different, you could feel differently about a movie. That's the good thing about life. Your mind can change. That's why I think <laughs> you're not stuck uh, on this one opinion. That's why I think you need that's to. That's why I feel like people. You need to revisit. It follows. And I'm and I'm with you. I'm down. And that's actually, because you mentioned it tonight and last night. Yeah. I'm gonna rewatch it tonight. Do it. Oh, you need to. You. Because I wasn't to. a fan of it. I and I like the soundtrack. I like the direction. It just didn't. Ooh, that disaster Hook piece me? score. Mm. Great soundtrack. I, I like it. Yeah. I like the score. And I watched, I did a double feature of that and the Babadook. And I love the Babadook. And I, when I watched It Follows, I was like, I don't like it. I don't. Was this? I, I just um, didn't think the story hit me. The scares weren't there for me. Was this 2015 when you watched it, when it came out? Or I think it came I out watched 2014 it, or 15? Yeah, I think um, it came out in the later 2000s. Like, yeah, like 2014, 2015. I watched it like a year after it came out. Okay. So I didn't see it like in the theaters. I actually watched it with uh, my stepmom. I watched that and the Babadook together. And yeah, I don't know. Like I didn't, I thought that the acting was poor. I didn't really, uh, I didn't understand the the message that I was trying to portray. I realized it after the fact and was like, that's kind of a strange way to put it. So rewatching it, knowing that it has to do with like, you know, STDs or whatever. 
maybe I like it more. But yeah, the scares didn't. I thought the CGI was not there. Well, that's the thing. I don't think it's it's not about STDs. Like it, I saw it as more of a. I don't know. You could attach any metaphor to it that you want, like like drugs or, or something, or something that just like is... death in general or trauma. I mean, if you come in contact with this thing, it's only a matter of time before it kills you. It's always following you. There's no escape See, from it. Yeah, I, I mean, you could twist it any way you want, but I think you would appreciate it more now because. I think in 2015, 2016, I mean, I think that movie, Babadook and the Witch, kind of kicked off this horror renaissance that's carried over into today. I think movie- Like the elevated horror, like the cinematic horror. Yeah, I, I, I think- feel like that's a better term. <laughs> Don't say that word. <laughs> I know. I, I know it's, a, ba- a, naughty, I know it's a bad naughty, naughty word. But movies like that are, I can see the inspiration in Talk to Me. So I think um, those three movies in particular, because up to that point, horrors fucking sucked for the most part. I mean, you had like Insidious, but eh. it was getting there. I mean, yeah. the early 2000s, like we talk about all the time, it was just kind of rough. Like the fear.com days yeah. and like it was just I took so my like- wife. I took my wife to a date to see that one of our first dates. Oh, that was what? 2002? I- I remember. Did she fall asleep in your lap? <laughs> I wish she fucking did. Because that would have made the viewing experience a lot better. <laughs> but like those movies feel more like like CSI, like procedural, like not even like hard, just very like hard nosed cop. Yeah. Super serious. Swim fan. <laughs> swim fan you know, I dare, I dare say I, swim fan's good. You know, I dare say that, you know, when you talk about procedural. Chrissy Bradford, baby procedural's been part of the genre since it began and i think you either have to look past that or you see movies that go beyond and do something different and we much like you just said movies have changed in the past eight or so years i think we just had this new renaissance of movies and I will never call anything elevated horror because horror has always been elevated. Horror has always been something to push buttons, uh, to bring in political and social issues. Like nothing's changed. Nothing's different. Um, the movies are just getting smarter and uh, being directed and written by people that have stronger agendas, if you will, um, than they have been. But nothing's changed. Nothing. There's nothing elevated about it in, in, in compared to the movies we saw in the eighties, except for the people making them. And uh, I think it's just, a well, I guess if you thing. include that, like these people are like a lot of these directors are trying to portray like certain messages in their movies, rather than something like dead pit, where it's just like, you know, a fun movie about a chick who gets mistaken, mistaken for she's in the, yeah, but, mo- but horror movies have always, I mean, it depends on which one you're looking at. I've always had messages They've always had something to say. And I think that that doesn't mean it's elevated because there's always a message to each movie, no matter what it is, no matter how stupid it is or how badly it's made. Um, I just don't believe that that's an actual representation of a certain genre within horror. Yeah, I mean, and that's just my viewpoint. On and it. that's not a term that we even really throw around a lot. Um, not a 24, not not neon i mean neon's an alamo company and stuff and i think 
horror has always challenged the viewer and it's just the matter of what you said phil that we've been seeing movies that have been doing that a lot more these years but i just think it's silly to put it's 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 like genres you know like oh we're this 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 is slightly different in terms of the riffs so we're going to call it this kind of metal is, versus that kind it's still the same like putting labels thing. on this something technical death metal not labels. death technical metal <laughs> yeah again that i just think it's slightly silly i think it's just let's just call it what it is it's horror yeah. or suspense thriller or whatever it may be and regardless of the message because they can all be unique and individual within that genre and not have to have that stamp just planted right on them yeah maybe that's a thing that you know my daughter's generation wants to do because they love just stamping fucking shit like that's what this is that's what this is you're this you're that um you know just I like the good old days where it's it is what it is yeah. I mean horror is such a big I mean every genre is such like a big umbrella and then you could just break I feel like you could just break things down like even more just to give it more of like I don't know I think it adds and as much as it seems like they're being put in a box I just think it makes it much more unique to like just keep breaking things down to like the minute details yeah well all I know is there was a big fucking difference between seeing insidious the red door two nights ago versus seeing talk to me last night it's like night and day like this is generic and predictable and dull this is they're both horror but i mean they're both horror yeah, absolutely under the big umbrella there's a big fucking difference i don't know what that word is but yeah unique yeah yeah unique also yeah. they were given the opportunity to make something that wasn't studio driven at this point you know yeah it's just like what neon does a 24 they they allow their filmmakers for the most part they just go we love what you're doing go make it you know blumhouse they're still committee based even though they're not like a huge studio or anything so they still oversee the majority of the movies being made under their umbrella um but i mean people still claim that that studio is made quote unquote elevated horror movies so it's it's i guess it's just a matter of how you view them but i can't wait to watch talk to me i can't wait i want to see it really, I, really fucking bad i am so excited um, for everybody to watch it myself included i can't wait to see it again opening night i will be there um, i'm i'm really ready for my bones are craving a good horror I, i'm movie. ready for the a24 merch drop for uh, i'm excited <laughs> to buy a seven you must be rich 70 t-shirt whatever rich. you want to throw out there Oh, me and Doug were joking when we reviewed the trailer. Like, you know, they're going to put out a, a prop replica. Oh, that's actually the hand. It'll be like $400 limited to 50 or something. Yeah, dude, I, I, I haven't even bought Pearl or X yet because I'm waiting for their Maxine Pearl X triple feature 4K box set because they would not. They refuse to release a 4K version of either of those first two movies in the US. And it's going to be like. 200 fucking dollars and i'm like i'll pay it for those movies shit the fucking long sleeve x shirt that i bought from them was a hundred dollars yeah, and you could uh and it's the cheap it's the cheapest fucking shirt dude ever to be printed the, on. but i was like i want the official shit you the know? x t-shirt i bought from them i bought a medium because that's what i wear and it fit like an xxl from 1995 i'm like what the fuck is this the sleeves come down to my elbows baggy, baggy is in i mean for some people, I'm nah. 
So I just threw it up on eBay and I think I made my money back and then some because they're, <laughs> I mean, their resale value of their merchandise is insane. But yeah, and they've really, they make really good stuff and the designs on them are really cool, but they don't really need to make them that much money. Like there's no sell. reason. There's no reason. I've seen their products in hand. There's not a single reason they need to be as expensive as they are, but that's the thing about their brand. And you know, it falls in line with type of their business model. Look, we're 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 a twenty four. Yeah, you know, it needs to. We can we can make you pay more for our product. Yeah, and people are like, "Fuck it, I don't care." No, nobody's so, dropping sixty bucks on a Blumhouse shirt. <laughs> Absolutely, Blumhouse merch they're, they're, at dude, all. They they give me their shit for free almost every movie. You guys have seen the shit that they send me. Yeah, hook us up, man. Let's. Tell me what mailing list to get. I on. still have boxes of bodies, 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 right. shirts, posters, Halloween ends and kills shit, just literally sitting behind me in boxes and in the other room. Hey um, man, sorry, Plumhouse, uh, don't don't be mad at me. Me and Doug just say Doug want some free shit. Eight twenty four, hit us up. Talk to me. I, I I will I will preach the the kind words of words twenty four all day. They'll send me a hat. I want that fleece. I need some more a twenty four fleeces. And those things go, are one hundred ninety bucks. I'm not trying to spend that again. <laughs> Here's a fucking dad cap. They'll send one thing in this tiny box with no tissue paper. It won't even have a note or anything. I'm like, oh, okay. Very Brooklyn of them. <laughs> You just take this product and uh, shut the fuck up. Um, well, fellas, we are coming up on two hours. Uh, I think uh, I think we covered everything. I mean, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> Justin, thank you so much for doing this, man. I'm, Anytime. I mean, uh, it's an absolute blast to uh, to agree to a podcast in 10 minutes and then sit here for two hours <laughs> and talk to us. Thank you. It was either editing my own podcast on the same movie or coming and talking about it with you guys. And I said, you know what? My own podcast can fucking wait. Hey, there so you go. Who knows when that shit's going to be released? But no, for real. I mean, I've talked about wanting to come on and talk to the both of you. Doug, I haven't had the opportunity to podcast with you before. Yeah, um, no, and I always not. look forward to the opportunity just to hang out and talk movies, especially horror movies. So thanks for having me on. Greatly appreciated. It was an honor. Yeah, Elevated horror much. movies or just horror movies? What's that? Elevated horror movies or just horror movies? Um, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Well, Justin, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Um, we're literally everywhere. You can find Epic Film Guys on every podcatcher, epicfilmguys.com. We're on every social media platform now. Yes, literally everyone because i was forced into it so yes TikTok now threads. twitter facebook instagram threads you name it and we're on it nice so check it out come say hi all right well thank you so much for joining us man and uh i'm gonna stop this thing but you can hang out for a bit we'll bullshit for a little bit or as long as you want uh doug i love you very much always good talking love to you too, baby all right catch you guys on the next one 